Hello, everyone. Welcome to Timeless Voyager, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. I am your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes. So strap your cosmic seatbelts on and prepare for another amazing ride. Now, today's guest is remote viewer Josh Maitland. I'm going to let Josh do his own introduction. My name is Josh. I'm an engineer, a musician, and an intuition teacher. Over the course of the last few years, I have been actively transforming myself into a superhero. I lost 40 pounds, got into the best shape of my life. In September 2021, I discovered a unique and super fun form of active meditation. It's called remote viewing. It was developed by an artist named Ingo Swan and scientists at the Stanford Research Institute in the USA. It was government funded and essentially they designed it to spy on the Russians with psychic powers. Finding remote viewing kind of marked stage two of this superhero transformation. I had already been planning to do a Sober October challenge just for my health. Uh, That first summer after COVID had been a bit of a party. So I figured playing with this meditation practice would be a good way to keep busy. Whenever I felt like cracking a beer, I would crack my third eye instead. What I wasn't ready for was how well this would actually work. When you do a remote viewing session, you're totally blind to the target. The meditation focuses on harvesting your inner intuitive sensory impressions. You kind of just jot down all the details in a zen-like kind of way. It splits your left brain and right brain to pursue the things they do best. I ran about 15 sessions over the course of that initial challenge, and 13 of them had pretty strong correlated data. Not only was the fact that I could do this mind-blowing on its own, but I realized that by doing these meditations, I was actually training my intuition the same way I train my body, sort of like an inner psychic workout. Either way, having a strong intuitive connection can like literally save your life. I've used it for lots of practical stuff too, business, music, even to dominate the field on family game night. Because this challenge was so impactful for me, I decided to run it again in 2022. I'm inviting other people to join me this year. I've actually structured it as an online course. The end goal is just to start training to open up your intuition. You strengthen your body to be healthy and adaptable. And the goal of intuition training is effectively the same thing. When you have a strong intuition, When that kind of important information comes through, and it will, you'll have a well-tuned system for receiving and interpreting that information, those messages from the Force. If you already have a daily meditation practice, this maps onto it perfectly, and you can just kind of splice in a remote viewing session here and there in your regular practice. Even if you just have 10 minutes a day, the key of this is practicing getting into a flow state. Thanks for watching, and uh, I hope to see you in the challenge. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Now, the question is, though, a lot of people here um, may not be aware of what remote viewing actually is. Because this intro was good, but let's get more detailed. Can you give us a real detailed uh, idea of what this is about? Yeah, so remote viewing is a methodology for uh, gathering psychic information. Um, It was developed in the 1970s at uh, Stanford Research Institute 
Um, the scientists, the main scientists involved, uh, at least at the outset, were uh, Hal Putoff and Russell Targ, and they worked with Ingo Swan, who was kind of their main their main psychic, uh, who was testing out these these methodologies that they were developing. Um, so you know, it's it's this repeatable process that you can use to kind of get your um, intuitive faculties into a state of uh, receptivity, I suppose you could say, uh, so that you can you can kind of connect to non-local information about a specific target. Um, generally, you're you're completely blind to what that target is uh, while you're doing the remote viewing session, and um, you know the this repeatable methodology allows you to get that accurate information um you know through your psychic faculties about whatever this this blind target is um so it's it's actually a really well designed process just because it with intuition in general um the the blockage to intuition that i find most people have myself included is um is is trying to get the information without being in the appropriate state of mind of consciousness to to receive that information um my, my you know opinion i suppose uh, on where this information comes from is um you know the, th the quantum physics i think is pretty much in agreement right now that everything is is energy um uh, and energy and information so you know the 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 energy has information associated with it so um you know this this coffee cup is is just a bunch of vibrating energy um but there's there's information associated with that coffee cup such as the vibrating energy of this coffee cup is located at this specific location in space time on my desk and um you know it's a ceramic and it's and it's blue and and so on so <coughs> excuse me so when when you're remote viewing i think what you're really doing is you're connecting to the energy of whatever your target is and and interpreting sorry interpreting those vibrations um the 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 informational you know the data associated with that energy through your own energetic sensing systems um so it's <laughs> It's sounding really complicated. It's probably more complicated to talk about it. I'm probably I'm probably uh, making it more complicated than it needs to be. But really, what you're doing is you're, you know, there's there's this stepwise process in remote viewing. Um, depending on the the version that. you use, it's there's different steps. So I use a five stage process. Some people use a six stage process. But really, the to simplify it, um, it boils down to um, first of all, preparing yourself um, to be receptive to this this information uh, through meditation or or um, the cool down as it's called. Um, and I know you're a meditator, so so I don't have to sell you on the benefits of that. But you know, it does it does kind of kick off the whole thing when you when you get into that kind of place of calm and and the still point is really what you want to try and hit uh, at least initially. And then once you're kind of in that in that state and ready to go um you, you set up your page um for your session with you know certain things you want to write your name down you want to write the date um just just to track your information so that when you go back to it later it's organized right okay and you so let's know stop when you did it. 
hold on for one second because I want to. <laughs> you know this stuff so well. I just want to kind of like get a couple things together. Absolutely. Yeah. So the first point here is that um, you're not transcending because if you were transcending, you wouldn't be able to get yourself prepared to write something down. Correct. So, and I'm not saying that as a negative thing. I'm just saying so people understand the difference here. So you're you're uh, in a, a high a high state of alertness. Let's call it. Mm-hmm. Would that be okay with you? Yeah, I mean it's it's the kind of it's the same cognitive load I would say as taking a test or something like that. So you you're 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 in a state of focus. You're in you're in a state of awareness where you are active in 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 what you're doing. So you're not kind of passively letting. Um, I, I mean, so it's 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 challenging because you're you're trying to passively let this right brain information come in um but at the same time your left brain you're actively jotting these things down as they come through without judgment you know um you're you're supposed to uh for example um you start off with a connection so you you do what's called an ideogram um which is just a little scribble on the page and it's meant to sort of cue your subconscious mind to connect to that target and, and retrieve that non-local information. So that little scribble is effectively a holographic representation of the target itself. Now and, we know we're going to, we're actually going to show many of these examples mm-hmm. in the show. So, so people are going to be able to see the diagrams that you actually uh, wrote down during a particular experience. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So that's, those. So stay tuned, folks. This is not, <laughs> this going to be this is going to be a really great show. All right. So, um, so the thing is, you're alert. You know what you're doing, okay? But I I call it a high state of alertness or whatever it is. But it's, there's mm-hmm. a high focus. And then now this is why I ask you because people when people start telling me about remote viewing, my first question when I first heard about it was, are you saying that you go to the place? that you've been told to go to, do you go there or are you, okay, so let's talk about location. Let's talk about the concept. That's a, that's a fun topic. And, and I think there's some debate around, uh, around what the mechanism is and whether you're sort of, you know, astral projecting to the site perhaps, or, um, I think, I think you can do it that way. Uh, I tend to think the mechanism of it is more along the lines of, um, you know, that, that concept within you, the whole universe is folded. Uh, I, I presume you, you're familiar with that, that quote. I can't tell you where it came from. Just kind of popped into my head, but it came from the same place. Everything comes from. <laughs> there you go. The quantum field. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I think you kind of go inwards. I think it's, um, you know, again, within you, the whole universe is contained. So, if you know in theory so is your target so um and and julia mossbridge um brilliant scientist neuroscientist and researcher um she told me this um just as a sort of a tip about when you're remote viewing targets that are you know potentially kind of spooky like ufos or or weird stuff that she she does the the session in what she calls model space um which is sort of this this perfectly accurate model of the universe that resides within her 
um, or within me or within you or within, you know, whoever's doing the session, we all, we all have that connection to the source. Um, so I, I tend to think that when I'm doing these sessions, I'm, I'm going within to find the target rather than, than going out. And, and again, Julia told me that that's the safer way to do it, <laughs> but I, I think you can, I think, I think you can do both. Um, and it's, it's really a matter of intention. And that now there's a key word that I always love to underline the word intention is very important pe for people to understand intention is everything. It's oh, yeah. everything. Even if a person says, I have no idea what they're talking about today, I don't think that's going to happen. But let's say they still understand intention because if you want to go to the store, there's intention before mm -hmm. anything else happens. You had to have an intention. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I know that might sound silly, but it, it is an underlying very important term that many times people do not uh, get just because, because someone didn't say that's what intention is. It's not, it's not mysterious. Exactly. Yeah. Mysterious. If you did not ever think of it before. And I mean, right. that's when you're, when you're connecting in a remote viewing session and you do your initial little scribble, your intention with that scribble is to connect to the target. So that's intention really drives the ship here with, with remote viewing. And, you know, as part of that cool down process at the start where you meditate and everything, it's, it's good to, you know, good practice to kind of create intentions as you're doing that. You know, I intend to have a good session. I intend to, um, you know, gather accurate information. I intend to be in a state of flow. Um, you know, you can, you can sort of, you, you can you can make or break your session with intention really um if you're you know if you're if you're foggy on your intentions going in um you're you're probably going to have less accuracy or at least you, you introduce that potential um so well, there's there's another word i want to want to uh underline that's a great word foggy so intention yeah. needs to be as focused I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think it's as possible. Is that correct? Yeah, you want to be clear on what your goals are going into a session. And and it can be as simple as, um, I think, uh, Joe McMonagall, who's a, a pretty famous remote viewer, I remember hearing once that he his intention was always to make his clients happy with every session that he did. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty good intention because it's selfless yeah. and you're, you know, you're, 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 you have a positive goal in mind to help people out. And, you know, he's one of the, one of the greatest in the game, I think, uh, still, still to this day. Um, so clearly that worked for him, you know? <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I mostly do sessions for myself. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a student of this, uh, as much as a teacher, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a practice for me that I use, um, for my own well-being, if as much as anything else, um, just just because I find that you know it's it's very similar to, to meditation as far as the benefits that it that it has, or at least I've found that um, simply because you are you're 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 using the same muscles, you know, you're you're going within, you're you're connecting to um, you know that higher aspect of yourself that is connected to the source of all that is. Um, however you want to, however you want to say it, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the intention is to, to setting yourself up and, and as you go through the process too, um, 
again, there's these different stages. So there's your initial connection. And then stage two would be where you start to gather sensory information. So you just kind of, you, you sit in that still point and, and you, again, you intend by asking questions, by being curious and, and say, okay, so what do I see here? What do I see at this target? And you just kind of, you know, you, you have your little, you have your little drawing and you're, you're kind of poking away at your ideogram and, and just seeing, okay, what do I feel? What do I feel at this point in the line? What do I feel at this point in the line? And, um, by starting with sensory information, you get, you, you start to get your high level stuff. So I always start with colors and then I move on to sounds and, um, uh, you know, physical feelings, textures. I always get a lot of good textural information, but as, as you go through each of your sort of physical senses, uh, as you know, I call it sort of the inner versions of those that you're using to, to perceive these, um, you know, these psychic impressions. Uh, as you go through these different senses, you you kind of end up getting more and more connected to this to this target. And um, the the phrase that a lot of people use is, uh, "Your impressions are like seeing through a glass darkly." Um, so back to the the fogginess that we mentioned. Um, I, I tend to get a lot of really kind of hyper uh, hyper crazy visuals when I'm when I'm doing this. Um, you know, I've always had the background. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I had this during my whole training. I actually had this on the other wall, so it was kind of behind my screen as I as I was doing all this stuff. So you know, maybe the mandala has helped me. This thing, <laughs> okay, it makes you wonder. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I've always been a very visual learner. Um, I've I've always had a great imagination, you know. And when I was a kid, I I loved to draw. Um, and, and eventually I got into music. So uh, my audible impressions often are quite, uh, one, one thing I get in the audio a lot of the time is, uh, snippets of songs. Um, mm. cause I'm, I'm a musician, lifelong musician. And, um, so for example, I was doing a session, uh, last month I had this kind of feeling of a disturbance in the force, I guess you might say. And I decided, all right, I'm just going to, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to probe it. I'm going to see what comes up. And I ended up getting a lot of data that was consistent with, um, you know, the horrible situation we're seeing unfold in the Middle East right now. Um, and, uh, you know, the, one of the songs that, that came to mind was, uh, was Come Together by, by the Beatles. Yeah. And I was left just from that impression with a hopeful feeling, I guess, you know, at, at the end of it, which, which is, which is what you want. And then uh, the other one I heard was uh, the world turned upside down from the musical Hamilton, yeah. um, which is what seems to be happening. Certainly at the moment that we're recording this, um, you know, there's a lot of chaos, but I, it's a remote feeding is a great practice for that. Um, again, like I, I was just kind of feeling kind of concerned. So I ran a session and I got all this information about some kind of scary stuff, but at the end of it, I was left with, and I think again, it's because you're connecting to this kind of higher aspect of, of yourself and of reality. I was left feeling much more hopeful. And then, and when these things started to transpire, I wasn't, you know, floored by it with fear and anger and, and, and emotions like that, because I'd sort of already projected forward into that and felt it out through the remote viewing session. Um, you know, it's, because like, I think there's something to the fact that if you're sensing future information, 
it tends to um, reduce anxiety uh, around events when they actually come to pass. Um, and that's that's been true for me. Uh, I've talked to others who who would say about the same thing. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest biggest benefits of remote viewing that that people don't necessarily talk about a lot is just the fact that it it uh, it can be the type of thing that gives you peace of mind, even even if you're picking up stuff that isn't necessarily um, you know rainbows and unicorns. All right, with in, in that. Let's uh, let's uh, get into some specific sessions that you've done, and you've got some great examples. And I know the yeah. audience is interested, and so am I. So let's let's see where we're going with this. Sure. Where would you like to start? Um, well, we can start where I started. Um, uh, number six, I believe, on your list uh, is uh, the some of the initial training that I did. Um, so when I when I first found out about remote viewing, I I caught this documentary uh, called Third Eye Spies. You can still find it; it's on lots of lots of platforms, um, and it gives you the kind of whole history of of the SRI program. And uh, you know they they show some pretty cool examples similar to this, where you know, they're, they're, SRI for for the listeners SRI yes standard Stanford Research Institute, um, and uh, you know that that's where this was all developed originally. And um, eventually, you know, the, it was used in the military, you know, all, all kinds of different agents of the agencies of the U.S. government for 20 years. And then the program um, went went. Uh, it, it was shut down. We'll just say I, I'm not I'm not privy to all the specifics of it, so I won't talk about it. But 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 the information was declassified, too. Right. So from 1995 or so on, people, you know, it was in the public domain. And people were starting to figure it out, and uh, and nowadays, you know, there's there's quite a few courses online and stuff that you can find. About it. But um, when I did my initial training, um, I just I did sessions on my own local news, and I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna for 30 days, I'm gonna try and do as many sessions as I can, and just uh, try to predict the photo in the top story of tomorrow's local news. Okay. And the thing with this one thing with remote viewing is that time is completely weird uh, in the way it works. And so in this example, um, I ran this session on October 9th, 2021, and I got all kinds of data about um, a tractor. I was pretty certain my target was a tractor, uh, that there was a field with um, you can see all the little loops on the on the field in my drawing. There was some kind of cutting device or combine, um, and and you know there was a, a building off in the distance somewhere. And uh, so, you know, I was kind of monitoring the, the local news to see what would come up. It didn't always come up the next day. Uh, in this case, it came up on October 11th, so a little more than next day. Um, but as soon as I saw this image on on the news on the website, I was like, that's it. <laughs> um, I know that's what I saw, you know, it, it, that's the kind of way it works is, you know, you, you get all these impressions, um, as you're in the session and, you know, this, this page nine here that you're seeing is kind of, you know, you, you break it down into components. So you start with that ideogram and then you run through your sensory information and then you just kind of sketch stage three is the sketching of, okay, what are the main components here? Um, and you usually pull that from your sensory data 
Um, the last step in the sensory process that you do is uh, something called dimensions, dimensional information. So um, I'm, I'm sensing something man-made. Before you go too far, I want to just make a couple of comments. Yeah. What's good about this, and I think people can easily see the idea, is that um, it's one thing to say to somebody, oh, yeah, in my experience two days ago, I saw such and such. But what is unique about this and important is the idea that here you have your document. Mm -hmm. This is what I did on this day. Signed and dated. I waited, and when it showed up, here it is. And so that's good. That's good for people to understand that we're not talking about, oh, yeah, I was, uh, you know, on the train uh, going to somewhere and there's the picture of the train just before it crashed and somebody goes oh you saw it and then what oh, wait wait i don't understand it was it a dream see what people you know so this yeah. is great this is good for people to see uh let's call it the uh pragmatic part of something that re- that that seems to not be pragmatic on the surface and that's the thing that blew my mind about this from the get-go was um just this idea that I can sit for half an hour and just kind of perceive stuff and jot it down. And, you know, you, you go, you start with, again, the ideogram, the sensory information, then this kind of high level dimensional sketches. But then you, then you kind of go through that same process again, like a, like a nesting doll almost. And, and for each of those components that you, that you perceive initially, you break those down further. And then at the end of the process, on the on the um, uh, in, in this case, it's called the site template. I, I generally call it the site summary. Um, this just was the templates I was using when I was learning. And um, you you kind of go back through your different steps and you you piece together all the different components into a cohesive picture, a cohesive summary. Um, and so usually, you know, you if you if you're if you're looking to say, okay, that was a good session, that was a hit then your summary is going to look something like your target once the target arrives. And, um, and the, and the other thing is too, like at least with these types of sessions where I'm, I'm running the news and I'm trying to predict future news. As soon as I see that news story, it's, it's like a bolt of lightning. It's like, Oh, that's feedback. I know what that is. I, I saw that already, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's important. I, I think as far as just sort of proving this stuff um, that, you know, you, you are, you are jotting this stuff down and, 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 and recording it in a way that is, uh, easy to follow, um, you know, for other people, at least who are aware of this method and, and how it works. Um, but yeah, if, I essentially did, I think I did 15 sessions, uh, on this. And of those, I think I got, um, 13 or so, uh, where I, I received feedback and the feedback was relatively accurate. Um, and, and not, not all of them were smash hits like this one. Like, you know, I've got the, I've got the tractor, I've got the trailer on it. I've got the building in the distance. I've got the cutting device on the back of it. Um, I had a farmer there in, in this sketch, but I think now that was actually just the photographer, whoever was taking this, this photo. Um, because I mean, when you're remote viewing this photo, you're not just looking at the photo. You're you're going to that site, to that location, that p- 
place in time where that photo was taken. So you're going to pick up whoever the photographer was, uh, presuming, you know, there was a photographer at that site. Um, and it wasn't, you know, just a, a drone or something like that taking the picture. Um, but, and that's, that's pretty common. I get that a lot. And again, it kind of, there's that debate of, am I, are you going outward to that site or are you going inward to that site? You know, I, I don't know. It depends on your intention. <laughs> the old in out thing. All right. So you have another one. Uh, there's quite a few here. Yes. Yeah, so there's two more, I think, uh, seven and eight that are from that same series. So this is another one, um, where I got, uh, you know, all kinds of different impressions uh, and, and then a couple of days later, I'm not sure exactly when this one showed up. Uh, it was, it was again, a couple of days after the session though. And, um, you know, I, this is, this is a local park in my town that I'm, I'm very familiar with. So the impressions were really pointing me towards this, this park and, and this, uh, waterfront area. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm getting all these pieces. There's a lighthouse. Um, you know, it feels like maybe there's, there's some, you know, the moon is in the sky and it's nighttime. I got that wrong. Uh, it looks like it's maybe kind of a sunset type of time perhaps instead. Um, you know, I got some boats and some trees and, and, uh, again, the, the main feature here is kind of these terminal buildings that you see in the back. Um, uh, but yeah, again, this was, this was one that, that was a pretty, pretty clear hit. I think, you know, this, uh, this area, I had all this, the little stones on the on the edge. Um, the, the hardest part, really, is uh, is putting everything in the right place uh, when you because because you know I'm pulling all these components out from earlier parts of the session, and you just as you're drawing the summary, it's always kind of like okay, where does this go within mm. within the frame of of reference? Well, you know, now, now there's there's a, a really interesting point. I, I know this is going to get like a little farther out. But we'll just see how we do. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, when you live in an environment, <laughs> this three-dimensionality that everyone's used to, and you're operating in a linear time, what also happens is you end up having spatial stuff. And in the three-dimensionality, the spatial stuff is very um, well-organized. And in the in the quote unquote game that we play in reality, we all agree that those things are not going to move around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, when you're outside of three dimensionality, when you're not confined by the linear uh, movement of time space, then it becomes apparent that those things that you think belong in particular areas, they are not. They they can be anywhere. They're very. Yeah. This is very similar to a dream sequence in the sense that yeah yeah uh, when a person's dreaming um and and this is what i always found interesting about dreams you accept whatever's happening you don't uh, usually you don't question it you mm -hmm. know when you tell the dream to someone you go i can't believe it i thought you know this and that but during the time that you're having the experience uh you accept everything that's happening yeah. without a question usually Although yeah yeah well, sometimes you might say, wait a minute, that's not how it's supposed to be, but that's not, that's kind of in a higher developed area, like a, an area of witnessing a dream versus being in the dream. Yeah. Okay. So I think you're kind of, you're kind of half in that dreaming. You're, you're in a dreamy kind of state when you're, when you're that deep into a remote viewing session that you're doing your summary. Cause you've been kind of, you know, in this meditative flow for about half an hour 
and things are starting to kind of, you know, you're, you're very connected to your target once you're that deep into a session. Um, but, but again, you're, you're connected to it on that, that energy level, right? Like you're, you're, you're connected to the non-local energetic representation of your target. And, and, uh, yeah, no, that's a good point that I hadn't thought of before, actually, um, that, you know, within that sort of energy dimension, the, the physicality is maybe not as solid as, as we consider it to be in, in our own, uh, you know, 3d. Yeah. Um, you have another one here that, uh, that number eight thing. Should we bring that up? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is one that I didn't quite, quite nail. Um, but I did get this kind of impression that I was sort of on top of a building and, and I was looking at the town from, uh, above. And, and so I had this impression and we've got mountains kind of in the distance, uh, uh where we live. And I was like, okay, I, I just kind of sketched this big, big pointy peak of a mountain, which we actually don't have any big pointy peaks. <laughs> so I'm not sure why I drew it that way, but, um, essentially the, the symbolic, uh, you know, this, a clock tower object that you see here that's on the roof i i sort of interpreted that wrong as uh, i interpreted that as as a mountain um but you, you know i had all these other kind of buildings below um you know the other the rest of the mountain you can kind of see zigzagging in the background there uh, again you can see those terminals that were in the previous example just kind of mm -hmm. over on the right um but i mean i actually kind of got the arrangement of things correct um you know, as far as where the mountains are versus the terminals and the other buildings and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, so so in the front of the frame, I you know, I didn't catch that. Oh, this is actually a piece of a building. This, is, but I, you know, it's pointed. You know, just like just like it ended up being in the picture. Um, yeah, the clock would have nailed it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I missed that one. I, I can't remember if I had uh, some aspect of the clock. I think I actually had something about this orange home depot bucket too like the the color orange popped out at me for whatever reason during this one um so, so you know it's it can, it can you can either nail it or you can be close like there's, yeah, there's yeah. all kinds of range to to the level of accuracy you can have with this and the important oh. thing is to look at it as training and not not to get too hung up on on being right or wrong um, which is hard to do. <laughs> I can I can attest to that. I'm a perfectionist. I hate being wrong. Um, but uh, it's well, when uh, one of the things we share is uh, music production, and and there's a certain type of person, <laughs> and I'll use the great control, controlling person. <laughs> yep. <laughs> gets, gets into the studio, and then it's like everything is controlled, and the whole environment has to be a particular thing. And if you're not careful. Uh, you lose the session, so that that's one yeah. of the interesting things about being a producer, and, and and what you're talking about is that you have to be very careful, but at the same time, there's a balance, and 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 you know where does the experience end and another experience begin? It's just all that stuff, you know. So yeah, music production is is um, a real corollary to to this. I've found the more the more I do it. Um, just as far as as uh, you know, the whole idea of taking something intangible, um, you know, a song idea or a song, a song that's in somebody else's head. If yeah, you're producing for them, an intention, an intention, which basically has no basis. This is the best one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you're taking like that, you're taking that intention. You're trying to bring it into exactly. physical reality somehow. 
Right. Yeah. And so with remote viewing, you're doing that with a pen and paper. And in music production, you're doing it with instruments and and recording equipment. You know, it's uh, I've actually had some interesting uh, experiences where I've had people kind of, you know, just screwing around, jamming, um, throw me throw me a remote viewing target number. Usually your, your target is represented by some random number that's associated off off the page, you know, to keep you blind to the target. Um, and, and so, uh, my buddy hey, now, would throw me, we have to, wait, we're going to have to explain this because you sure. can't let this go by too fast. So it's very important. This is a very important point because it's like in any experiment, there has to be a way to say the person did not know, well, who knew and how are we going to judge it? So why don't you just give a, a, a clear, but you know, the best explanation yeah. can so, so um, this is called the tasking. So the tasking of a remote viewing session is where you set up what your target is actually going to be. And you, you assign, so, so say in this case, um, my target was my local news tomorrow, top story um, photograph. That's, that's the ones, the examples we've looked at before. That was the tasking for that. Um, and so I knew what that tasking was. So that that would be considered partial front loading in the sense that I'm like, okay, I know I'm running it a news target, but you never you don't know what the news is going to be. It could be anything. So um, I was blind in the sense that I, I I did not know what photograph within the news I was going to be to be viewing at any given time. Um, but generally speaking, you want to be blind to your target. So um, certainly in the old military program, they would have people that were taskers and they would set up the tasks and then they would assign a number to that, to that target and then give only the number to the viewer. And then the viewer would take the number and they'd go through their process and they'd, they'd find the information. Um, so it's uh, any target where you have any kind of information up front is called a front loaded target. And um, I mean, if you know exactly what it is, like what's the point of even doing the session really? Um, but a little bit of front loading, like just category wise, you know, like, uh, you're remote viewing something man-made, you know, that, that at least gets you in the ballpark so that you're not, you know, say, say you, um, say, say the target was that clock, for example. Uh, and if I had known I'm looking at something man-made, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, that would prevent me from zooming in on one of the trees and considering the tree at that site as my target. Cause a lot of the time you get kind of pulled energetically to whatever the most standout, uh, element at any given site is. Um, and, and what stands out to me is going to be different than what stands out to you. Um, just based on our own psychological makeup and preferences and everything else, like like so I, I have a background in water resource engineering and when i did these news targets even though my tasking was to go for the top story i found that my subconscious would often deflect to stories that it figured i would find personally interesting sure, your interest so, and anytime there was a story about the water treatment plant or um that tractor example the the story was about water management practices um so i, I would get a lot of stuff about water and uh, and and things that and you know I, I love Halloween so I got stories about Halloween <laughs> yeah. and and the decorations downtown and things like that so it's um it's just it's such a weird and interesting process I just I love it. <laughs>
All right. So what would you like to, where would you like to go from this point? Um, well, I mean, so there's, there's also lots of practical things you can do with remote viewing, right? So you can, you can use it, like people use it for stock markets and, and all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff like that, right? And, and they have success with it, you know, yeah, I, I don't personally, but. <laughs> well, it's, it's like the oldest one in the book, you know, as soon as someone knows there's such a thing or believes in time travel, the first they think of is, okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> I just oh. watched. I watched a film the other day where where the first the first place the guy went was he went to the to the uh, roulette wheel <laughs> and, and made a killing. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's funny that there's there's definitely some weird stuff that goes on with that because I've obviously tried to win the lottery with this. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? But right. uh, you know, and and I and I've got a whole other method I use for that. So it's really it's hard to most people find it hard to remote view numbers and letters with any kind of detail. Um, you know, just the nature of intuitive information is, is largely symbolic. Um, and, and your job as a remote viewer is to kind of parse that symbolism down into, into, you know, sort of specific, uh, detailed information. Um, so, you know, it's, a lot of people have trouble with numbers, but you, you know, there's ways around it. Like you can, you can kind of use physical energy and dosing type stuff to say, okay, you know, this, this finger represents zero and this finger represents nine and everything else in between, you know, and so on. And again, with the intentionality, you, you kind of cue it like, okay, what's the first winning number of the pick three? Oh, it's eight. Okay. What's the second winning number? Oh, it's three. And, and you can, and, and you play with that. And, so I've done I've done tons of those and I am constantly getting two numbers out of three and then the third one is off by exactly one and 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 if I don't buy a ticket I'll get it right but if I buy a ticket I'll be off by one and it's so weird and and I know probably ten other people that I've talked to who have had the exact same thing happen to them well now what repeatedly given a great example of what karma actually is. You know, it, and, and I think it's, it is something like that. I actually did a remote viewing session, again, totally blind. A friend set me on this target, and the target was, why is it that remote viewers can't seem to use their remote viewing to win the lottery? And I got all kinds of really interesting data, and, and a bunch of people ran this target, and I actually looked at, the, at their data too. And um, one, one thing that that came through was uh, the Pink Floyd song, Learning to Fly, uh, which I found was interesting. And I got a whole bunch of stuff that was all about, you know, very kind of esoteric, you know, chakras and, and um, inner, inner catalysts and, you know, reactors. Like, uh, it, it was a very bizarre session, but essentially I think it boils down to the idea that if you're not meant to win the lottery, you're probably not going to be able to break through it with this. If that's your reason for doing this, it's maybe not the best reason to pick up remote viewing. Um, that being said, for some people, it's true. I know people who have won. I, I know one guy who like funded his house with horse racing bets. Um, and I know, I know people who've won. I, I know of people who have won, you know, uh, from anywhere from hundreds to thousands to even over a hundred thousand dollars with this stuff. And, and people get, people get like lottery winners have dreams about the fact that they're going to win the lottery. Um, there's, there's a guy, I forget his name now, 
I want to say Timothy Schultz or something like that. He's got a whole YouTube channel where he interviews lottery winners about uh, about their winnings and their experience with it. And he, he himself was a lottery winner. And um, you know, I, I, everybody, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the idea just because I'd love to win the lottery, you know. <laughs> but um, all right, well, let's I, not sell anybody on the idea. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't pick up remote viewing specifically <laughs> for that purpose. Well, there's uh, the bottom line. Let's let's just like finalize this part. If you're going to win the lottery, you will, whether you're a remote viewer or not. That's right. And if you're not going to win the lottery, it doesn't matter if you're a remote viewer. So that's right. the thing is, that's that's basically how this stuff works. Everybody's disappointed when they hear that. That's why people love these these films and stories about time travel. Yeah. <laughs> because there's yeah. no part in it that says no. All right, listen. Before we don't want to run out, run out of time here. Um, which which one would you like to go to? We had talked about uh, eleven, uh, but but yeah. So uh, sorry, we we were talking about practical applications. So uh, maybe maybe jump to eleven. Okay. Um, and uh, so this was a friend of mine uh, who was into hockey uh, tasked me on who was going to win the draft lottery, um, the NHL draft lottery for twenty twenty three. Um, and I, I don't know anything about hockey. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bad Canadian, I guess. But uh, <laughs> that sounds like an oxymoron. How's that possible? Yeah, right. I, I mean, I, I followed it in the '90s, but that was the last time I, you know, when I was a kid. But I kind of got away from it. So anyway, I didn't even know how this worked. But uh, I was, he, he kind of told me, he's like, oh, you know, they pull a ball out and it's got the logo of the team that's going to win. So I started my, you know, my first intention here was. Which team will win the draft draft lottery tonight? Um, and again, I'm trying to play with this concept of time and remote viewing where, you know, it, remote viewing is weird when it comes to time. So if you say things like tonight, um, you know, that's better than saying, you know, some writing an actual date uh, or, or it can be, um, you know, because sometimes, the, you know, you'll, you'll get the, get it for the date some some future year or whatever. Right. Um, so I use tonight and uh that kind of scribbly thing you see there where it says S1, that's stage one, that's my ideogram. So I just kind of quickly just, you know, bust out whatever whatever my hand wants to, to do there. So it's like automatic writing at this point. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's what your stage one. And most most people when they're starting out, your ideogram is not gonna be complicated like this. It's gonna it's gonna be like I've had my kids do this and stuff, and it, they'll just do a little squiggle. But sure enough, it'll it'll have some relevance to the target. Um, so in this case, you know, I had kind of this convoluted thing or whatever, um, and you know, off to the side, I wrote down jellyfish. So because that was just this thought that I had in my head of the jellyfish, probably just from looking at the shape of it or whatever. So whenever you get whenever you get a noun, something you can name, that's called analytical overlay. That's when your left brain is interjecting into the data stream and saying, hey, I think that stuff you're perceiving is, boom, this. And and sometimes it's, it's completely right. Something sometimes. It's, it's yeah. naming it. Yeah. It's naming right. it, yeah. And so as soon as you're naming it, you're, you're not really doing your job. You're yeah. supposed to be perceiving this data and recording the data and not not analyzing it, or at least not until later in the later steps of the process. Um, so I got I got some colors, uh, you know, after my ideogram, I ended up drawing two just just for good measure. Um, usually I like to draw two because if I see that they're at least somewhat consistent in, in the, um, 
sort of shapes and and flow of them then i know i'm i'm kind of actually connecting and and uh, and getting the real data so these scribbles are effectively my download of of the session and i just kind of set my pen on that scribble and i say to myself okay what am i sensing at this at this site what what are, what what kind of stuff am i getting here um so i got i got the color brown um and gold and black and i you know it felt soft uh you know i i saw this kind of curving curving shape um you know, no hard edges. It was very, you know, that, that was clear. Um, and, and this kind of, again, I wrote it over in the AOL side, but this feeling of sort of like a, an animal. Um, so if you go to NHL two, um, that's where it continues. Um, so from that data, I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't really giving me much. So, I did what's called a move command, which is where you set another intention effectively. And I use the square brackets to, to show whenever I'm doing, doing one of those. So I tried to get basically a little more specific uh, on, on my, on what I was after with this target. So I said, move to the first ball selected in tonight's draft lottery for NHL and describe the logo on the ball. So I drew another, I drew another little um, ideogram there. And again, I got this AOL of like a grizzly bear, um, you know, this sort of forest, indigenous second. nature. What does, what does AOL mean? Sorry, analytical overlay. So that's where your left brain is interjecting okay. and naming stuff. So um, the um, the second ideogram, uh, if you look at it, you, you can kind of almost see the feathers in the in the logo there um, and, and the sort of shape of the head. And so, again, I got this kind of black, green, this forest kind of feel this uh, you know, I, I was seeing kind of all these flashes of like indigenous style artwork. Um, and so my guess was, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, maybe the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Cause that was sort of the, the logo that's felt the most likely to be what, what I was interpreting here. And this is a very short remote viewing session. I did two pages. I got fairly high level data. I didn't break down any of my any of my detailed stuff. I was just kind of playing here and seeing, okay, I'll see if I can answer my buddy's question with 10 minutes of work. And uh, so I said, okay, so I'm, I'm thinking it's probably uh, Chicago from from the data that I've got. And, uh, and so we waited and the next day, sure enough, it was Chicago. <laughs> so oh, very so, good. You know, you can use you can use it for practical things to figure out stuff in the future. So um, I, don't, I don't know if there was any uh, any any betting that was going on on, on the draft lottery or not. But gamblers, gamblers will gamble on anything. Yeah, I mean, if there was, I missed it. So, <laughs> but right. yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. And then um, you know, at, at the same time, I was I was betting on uh, the um, uh, the Stanley Cup final because I'd, I'd run a session on that too and uh and i had gotten that uh, the colorado avalanche would be defeated by the seattle kraken in the first round so i nailed that i actually made a few bucks on it um but then i didn't do any further remote viewing for the next stages and i just kind of went on faith that the team i i, I got in my initial session was going to win the whole thing and that ended up not not being the case so i learned a lesson from that too but uh yeah, so I mean, you can use it for for practical things like that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing I really like doing is 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 uh, these news future news sessions. Um, 
and and a lot of the time I'll get I'll get stuff that's you know kind of about the wars and the and the negative stuff that goes on in in the world. Um, but uh, if you want to jump to our next example, sure. I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you something cool here that happened on one of those sessions. Uh, what am I looking uh, at? That here? would be number twelve. Wow. Okay. So I, I had done this. This is actually like page five of a different session. But I had done this this session, and I was getting all kinds of stuff about. Uh, you know, nuclear submarines and war and stuff. And, and I think what it, what it ended up being was um, there was a nuclear icebreaker that uh, was launched in Russia. It was like just they were christening this new boat or whatever. So but during the session, I kind of got frustrated. I was like, I don't I don't want to do sessions about war. So I just wrote new category and I did a new I did a new ideogram and, and everything else. And um I just kind of went with it. It's like, okay, we'll move, we'll move off of this topic that's bugging me. And so I got all this kind of, I got a much more kind of positive energy coming into this one from the get go. So this feeling of awe and, you know, this kind of swirling energy, kind of water, air element, all kind of uh, coming into things and a feeling of life, uh, the color blue and white and black, this kind of misty, cold flowing kind of vibe um but also this kind of element of like man-made um you know pointy slick um you know something like a boat um and and so over in the aol column i wrote you know surfing whales the ocean like all this kind of, this is the kind of stuff that i was kind of feeling about this this new target um so if you jump to 13 that gives you page two of this session um so i kind of this is my stage three uh where i just did my initial sketch and i got this feeling of like a, a small boat um with sort of like a little a little thing over top um you know it was more of a flat bottom boat um this this kind of shape with water there was kind of you can see the air bubbles there kind of coming out of the water i thought you know it's windy there's something to do with wind it sort of reminded me of a police boat so i jotted that down um i got the sense that there was people maybe animals i was hearing whale noises and kind of sonar type sounds um and so i got this this feeling of like okay but like a search and rescue um you know it feels like it's stormy or there's something kind of intense going on here uh like a crash maybe and and then i had an aol of the kraken so it's kind of funny we were just talking about that too um so if you jump to page three uh number 14 so it kind of continued on this target from there um you know move and, and so i did a, an intention here move to the key element of the site and drew a new ideogram as as i do every time i do a move command and I got this feeling of like a big life, but also a small life. So there was there was life. And if you look at the the ideogram itself, there's there's two loops. There's a bigger loop within this kind of container, and then another smaller one. And and the loop is sort of like an archetypal um, symbol for for life, uh, at least in remote viewing, or at least the way I learned it. So whenever I see a loop like that, I'm I'm pretty quickly drawn to like, okay, there's something alive here. Um, so, you know, I, I was having this feeling of like a, a ship at trouble in trouble at sea. Um, 
And, you know, I thought maybe there was weather related storms or something because of this air and water element that I was getting um, that, you know, there was rescues. I got this, this idea of Greenpeace, um, but also this kind of strong feeling about whales. So I kind of ended up drawing this whale kind of spontaneously and writing it off to the side. And again, this color blue and, and white. Uh, this this yeah, I think I see, I see the center. I see. Is that a whale in the center? Yeah, a very poorly drawn whale. <laughs> no, but it's still yeah. Well, I mean, it could have been a poorly drawn anything. So it was good. It was. It looks like a whale. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then sometimes I like to just kind of douse out where in the world this target is. So I kind of drew a globe, and right. and the first thing I was just like, okay, USA. Just that's that's what came to mind. And I, I kind of drew this um, this arrow. You know where it might be uh you know from looking on a world map so you might say that that's kind of in the ballpark of california where that arrow would be right um so that was kind of the 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 uh the gist of that one and i was like okay this you know this that's good enough for this session uh so i wrote eos end of session wrote down the time i ended the session and i kind of put it away off to the side and then um, a couple days later, and this is this is where we moved to the whale image. Uh, the story came up on my on my news feed on social media, and as soon as I saw that little boat, I was like, "Oh, that's a blue and white boat with uh, <laughs> kind of an open back and a little little thing on top." And I mean, it looks exactly like the one I sketched, right? Um, and then there's these whales uh, giving birth. So it was that, that feeling of, um, you know, emergency or rescue or something and awe inspiring stuff. It's all in there. You know, it's, it's, it was all kind of contained within, within the feedback of the target. Um, so I, I was a little off. It wasn't a police boat or any kind of emergency situation. I mean, certainly for the whale and its mother, it was a, it was a medical situation and, and, uh, and a big, a big event for them uh and i would imagine for anybody who's on this boat seeing this uh this transpire um but also if you look if you read underneath um you know this was taken in baja california so that's where this this whale whaling boat was uh sort of doing its thing so there was a lot of good stuff in that session that, that was kind of on point and and it's funny because you know I, I went from doing this uh session about war and and sketchy, you know, less, less, less positive things. And, and just kind of said to my own subconscious, like, okay, let's do something else. Let's, let's, let's do something that's, this is a, this is a great reason to just talk about this for a moment, because this was an example of taking control in a sense of the intention and bringing yourself into something that's more pleasant. I mean, you have choices, just like in, in just like now. We're sitting around. We all have choices. We can do whatever we want to do. Mm -hmm. What's your choice? And and the answer is that. In your case, you said I want to feel good. Yeah. Which, you know, which I, I, was, not, I didn't want to. I didn't want to run a target about uh, war right, and, and domination exactly. and darkness. Yeah, you know, I wanted. I wanted some good news. And and sure enough. Uh, you know, my subconscious delivered and, and it was a really cool thing. I, I love whales. I love the ocean. Um, I've always, I had a really cool experience, um, off the coast of Boston last year where we were heading out on a whale watching trip, um, with my family. And I did, we had kind of half an hour to kill on the way out. So I did, 
you know, I figured I'll, I'll do a meditation and I'll, I'll kind of invite any whales that are out here on in, in the water to, to come hang out with us, you know, just, just, so I sat for half an hour with that intention and man, we saw over a hundred breaches that day The the people wow. on the boat, it was like a research vessel for the, um, the Boston aquarium. They, the ecologists said that it was probably one of the best days they've ever had on that, on that particular boat. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I can take credit for that or not, but yeah, you should. <laughs> it certainly always, feels like I can. <laughs> always take credit. Always take credit. Let people oh, argue man. with you, but don't don't keep it to yourself. Take credit. Why not? It was it was so cool, and and uh, it's funny. I've 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 really I've had so many little weird synchronicities around uh, whales and nature with with this whole remote viewing journey. Um, again, I mean, I'm 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 an environmental engineer, so I'm. I'm I'm kind of uh, predisposed to I come by my love of nature honestly, mm. um, but uh, yeah it's it's uh, it's just such a fun adventure and um, you know I'm 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 now getting into teaching this to other people and that's uh, that's again I'm right at the beginning of that journey but it's already quite rewarding and, and enjoyable. Yeah, and too. in the description uh, I will have some information that people can look at if they want to get in contact with you, so we'll put that yeah. down there and of course. We've been I've been putting things up all day. Listen, um, we're just about out of time. I want to respect the fact that we had a well, people don't know this, but we had a half hour <laughs> before we could even start today trying to get this thing organized. Thank Technical you for difficulties. Well, no, because it was very very important for us to get that organized. It was because flow is so important. Um, I appreciate the time and, and and adding that on to the end. So that was really really good of you. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to uh, say at the end, or, or <laughs> we're gonna say goodbye? I don't know. <laughs> Up to you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just, I just uh, would ask anybody who's interested in this to explore it because it's, uh, at least for me, it's been an incredibly beneficial thing in my life. As far as um, you know, I, I had a lot of anxiety and depression and and things when I was younger, and um, j- just this this process of connecting to something higher than yourself. Uh, you know, I, I come from this, this scientific background where that kind of stuff is, is frowned upon a lot of the time and remote viewing is this kind of weird procedure that sort of exists at the intersection of, of science and, uh, you know, the, the stuff we don't quite understand yet that we call magic. And, um, you know, there's there's that quote about uh, sufficiently advanced science is is magic to those who don't understand it or whatever. But I think I think remote viewing really is a great tool for um, exploring that that fine line and uh, and looking at really you know what what is human potential? What kind of stuff can we actually do? Um, you know I, I'm not the only remote viewer out there by far, and I'm not the first nor the last. I'm sure. Um, but there's there's thousands of people out there playing with this stuff and and exploring this kind of um, edge of human human capability, and I can't think of a more um, important time for people to start opening up to these kinds of of ideas. Um, you know, just just look at how crazy everything is right now in the world. Um, being able to tap into that that kind of still point and flow state 
and uh, and explore your whether it's the inner world of yourself that you're exploring or the outer world as we as we discussed. There's kind of different different uh, thoughts on that and 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 different intentions that you can do to to do it too. But I think the more people that are that are uh, going on a voyage like this, um, the the better it's going to be for everybody uh, moving forward. I, I really do think this is extremely important stuff for people to be paying attention to and 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 thinking about you know um all right my friend. thank you so much josh this was great um i really appreciate it oh, thank you so much for having me on man. all right for the rest of you thank you for watching and listening to the timeless voyager series podcast on video players like youtube and audio players like spotify apple podcasts and many more one thing you can do to support the growth of Timeless Voyager is to hit that like button, share, comment. It really does help to keep the podcast on the internet so that I can keep producing content like the program you just watched and or listened to. Also, um, it's very important because the uh, algorithms are triggered when you do those. For example, if you hit like or if you subscribe, it helps grow the channel. Uh, remember, there is no obligation, and these actions are free. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes, and I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a successful and joyous one. <laughs>